Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. Great singing, everyone. There we go. Well, I wanted to introduce somebody today um, that's actually, believe it or not, they have never been in church before. This is a very first time that I'm aware of. At least that's what I was told, but I think they just snuck out the back. Uh, actually, I wanted to congratulate. There's a new baby that's been born uh, this past week, and they have, uh, this is their first time in church, and I think they just went out with their baby, and I wanted them to show off their baby. But uh, congratulations to uh, Andrew and Leslie, uh, lad on the birth of their newborn son, Ellis Martin Lat, born 718 on January the 2nd, weighing in at 7 pounds 5 ounces. So congratulations to them. And just before that baby was born, which we didn't announce uh, last week, we wanted to congratulate as, uh, congratulate as well Kelly and Ken Dowswell on the birth of their new son. Listen to this name, Jacob Wilford Ezekiel Dowswell. Born in December, so congratulations to you as well, Kelly and Ken, uh, for sure. Can I just say the word, wow, you came back. You know, one never knows what's going to happen the following week when the Sunday morning speaker announced we're going to continue the series on money. It gets, you know, because I think sometimes people get a little edgy, right? They get a little nervous when the preacher is going to be talking on the subject of money. I think because you, you never know. Maybe the preacher is trying to set us up for something. Maybe there's going to be a surprise offering where he says, hey, we're going into a capital campaign and we're announcing it today. Or maybe, you know, you're nervous. The, the preacher's going to say, you know what? Ooh, times are tough. It's time to dig a little bit deeper into our pockets. And that's just not going to happen during this series. In fact, when we started the series last week, the elephant in the room, uh, getting a, a handle on your personal finances, we said right at the very beginning that actually 2016 was the greatest year of giving for uh, Temple Baptist Church, so, which is exciting, right? Very, very exciting. So this series has nothing to do with uh, Temple needing your money. It has nothing to do with God needing your money. Trust me, if God wanted your money, he would just take it. You know he has that kind of power? He can kind of do those things, what he wants. No, what we're hoping during this series is that we can experience the joy that comes in um, when we manage our resources God's way. I'm just hoping that together we can uh, make better decisions so we have less regrets. Uh, on our finances. And um, did I mention to you, I'm, I'm really happy that you're here. Okay, I just want to make sure that. Uh, if you are visiting today, uh, I just want to let you know we're very excited. We're very excited that you're here. We love when people share part of their weekend with us. We love to have people in our home, for sure. And uh, whether you were invited today or you just dropped in on your own to check out what goes on at that church and the community, you may be thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, of all weeks to come and visit, I'm coming on the week so they're talking about money. Well, let me just put it you at ease again. We are not going to be uh, talking about the temple need your money. 
we're really, all we're trying to discover together is to get some good biblical uh, financial principles on handling our finances. Now, one of the things that I've discovered, there are very few things in life that can really get your, your goat, you know, kind of get your temper flaring, can get your um, blood boiling. Uh, a couple of those things are, you know, you'll, you'll hear people say, never talk about, what, politics and Okay, those things are supposed to be off topic. And I know that to be true because there are different seasons in my life, let me tell you, where I have become a political junkie. Like, I love politics. In fact, if I wasn't a pastor, I think I would just dive into that whole world. I love politics. And sometimes I get in these conversations with people who don't agree with me. It's hard to imagine. But I'm, I'm listening to their, their conversation and, and they're talking and I am biting my tongue. <laughs> I do everything inside of me not to say, you call yourself a Christian and you voted that way? That's crazy, right? Uh, so I know how we can make things rise up inside you. And of course, you know, things of faith. You don't talk about things of faith. Um, we kind of joke about it in my family because I have a grandfather who pastored um, independent Baptist churches. For those who may know, that was like capital I, independent. And uh, so very, very conservative churches. Love the man. He's a great, great man. And uh, then I, I uh, you know, I'm pastoring here at Fellowship Baptist Church, not quite as conservative as the capital I, Independent Baptist. And then I have a brother-in-law who spent years as a Presbyterian minister. So when we get in the room, we've all made a vow, no one talks about God. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Three pastors, you can talk about fishing, you can talk about the weather, you can talk about sports. But off topic is anything to do with the Bible because we all have some really strong views. And all of a sudden, without even recognizing it, our voices, you know, begin to raise. However, as hot as that topic, those topics can get, there's something even hotter, I think, than can get uh, temperature, uh, tempers going in the average Canadian home. And it's not the subject of sex, although that time, at times it can be irritating when you're talking to people about that. It's not talking about your in-laws, even though at times I know that can be very frustrating. But the subject that can kind of get your blood boiling is really this whole subject of money. Now I'm sure that uh, all of us have had incidences in our family where you know, tension arose over the discussion of money. You know, maybe it's between spouses, uh, maybe between business partners, and all of a sudden you, you kind of feel your, your blood pressure rising and the tone of your voice begins to change. Well, I can guarantee you that in the city of Sarnia, okay, there are lots of conversations that take place around the kitchen table. And uh, in fact, take a look at this scenario right here. Maybe I can help. Oh, we, we could sure use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've taken out loans to make payments. <laughs> well, you're not alone. Did you know that there are actually millions of Canadians who are in debt that's out of control? That's why I have developed this very unique program, How to Manage Your Debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. 
that. Oh, okay. If you don't have the money, then you shouldn't buy anything? Sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. There's a whole section on in here on how to buy expensive things using the money you saved. Give me that. And where do you get this saved money from? <sighs> I tell you where and how in chapter three. Okay, let's say I want to buy something, but I don't have any money. <laughs> you don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyways? No. Now I'm really confused. <laughs> you know what? It is a little confusing at first. Mm. Let's say I have the money, then can I buy something? Yes! Oh! <laughs> okay, okay. Now take all the money away. Same story? No. You don't buy stuff if you don't have the money. Okay. I think I get it. Should I buy something I want and hope I can pay for it later? <laughs> no. You make sure you have the money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. Yes. But should I buy it before I have the money? <laughs> no. Why not? <laughs> it's in the book. It's only one page. The advice is priceless, and the book is free. Free? I like the sounds of that. Yeah, and we can put it on our credit card. I don't know if you've ever had those kind of conversations at your household. My best friend's father gave me some financial advice when I was in my 20s. And I've never forgotten it. Uh, and uh, he said to me one time, when I, I said, Donald, I, would you like some financial advice? And I said, yeah. I mean, I looked at him because, you know, he's pretty successful. He had, had owned his own um, charter accountant firm, and uh, he, he did, uh, worked in mission organizations doing their finances. And I said, yes. He says, okay, I got something to tell you that could really change your, your whole financial situation. Okay. So I, I'm like, I'm, I'm, it's all, I'm all ears. I'm listening. Yes. He said to me, don't spend more than what you make. That was his whole financial piece of advice. Don't spend more money than what you made. And I've never forgotten that. And when I apply that principle, it always keeps me out of trouble when I spend less uh, than what I make. You know, we've all seen it where the power of money, uh, or the power of money in relationships, you know, where business partners get divided, uh, friends become enemies, and families that were once inseparable now don't talk to each other. That's the power of money in a relationship. And there's nothing like money that can change the attitude towards something. I heard this story one time. A man had called the uh, church office. And the phone rang, and the church secretary picked it up and said, hello, can I help you? And the man on the other line, on the end of the line, said, yes, I'd like to talk to the head hog at the trough. And uh, the secretary paused for a moment and just says, um, I'm sorry, who are you asking for? Um, I'm looking for the head hog at the trough. And the secretary paused and said, wait a minute, if you're referring to our senior pastor as a hog, you need to show him a little more respect. And he says, oh, I, I was 
I was thinking that uh, about writing a $500,000 check toward the building fund. And the secretary says, oh, I think I see Porky coming through the front door right now. <laughs> Money changes our attitude towards people. People that we couldn't stand once all of a sudden we love and people that we once loved we despise. Did you know that the Bible actually has over 2,000 350 verses that deal with money and possessions. See, it just goes to show that God knew that this whole aspect of money was going to be a large area of our life. Like, it's a huge area. It was always going to be on our mind. And it's true, it is always on our minds. Like, we're always thinking, do we have enough money to pay our bills? I mean, uh, how much is that field trip going to cost for the kids to go in, in school? And how much money do we have to save if we're going to help them in college? And, and uh, how much money do we need for that down payment to buy that house? And how much money do I need for retirement? I mean, money is, uh, takes a lot of space in our mind. And it's interesting to note, though the Bible speaks a lot about money, and it does speak about giving, it mainly talks about managing your money. And God has a lot to say on the subject. In fact, last week we looked at that, that famous sermon, right? The Sermon on the Mount, probably the most famous in all the world. And, and Jesus is speaking, he's up on the mountainside, and there's, you know, there's all these people around, and he touches all kinds of subjects. And, uh, and then he also, in the sermon, uh, begins to deal with just this little area of money. And, and we kind of looked at that last week. In fact, that's why we have, if you weren't here last week, you, wouldn't, you won't know this illustration. But what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he says, where your heart is, guess what? That's where you'll find your treasure. And so when Jesus was speaking, he said, he made it very clear, he says, wherever your money goes... He says, you can be sure, right, that your heart will be there. See, the two are inseparable. Where there is one, you will always find the other. Where your heart is, is where your treasure is. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And so Jesus kind of touches on this area about the power of this relationship between your stuff and your heart. And as we looked at that, you know, sometimes we look at that and we, we go, hmm, I don't know. I don't know if I, is that true? And then we started diving into it last week. And what we discovered is that actually when you diagnose your heart, when you want to know what your heart's like, probably one of the best ways to diagnose this is just look at your pocketbook. Look at your wallet. Look at your checking account. Uh, look at your spreadsheet. And you can get a very quick uh, view of what you think of yourself and what you believe about God. Now, I know it would be very easy for you to sit there and judge me and go, you know, look at that Don Calder. Look at him up there. Just opening God's word and talking. He's got such a good heart. But you know what? I, I mean, I may have a, a small ability to be able to communicate, but that doesn't say anything about my heart. Actually, Jesus says... If you want to know what Donald Calder's heart's like, then, then check out how he spends his money. Like, look at his visa statement. That says more about Donald Calder's heart than him just getting up here and speaking. I don't know if you've ever um, been in a relationship where you're, you're competing with, someone for, with someone's stuff. Like, you're in competition. 
Uh, let me give you an illustration. So uh, let's say there's a couple, uh, they have three children, and uh, things aren't going so well, and it seems like they're just falling behind month after month after month, and finally the wife says, honey, um, man, we're just falling farther behind, and, uh, and this month we, we got an extra bill because we've we got to buy new shoes for all the kids, and uh, it doesn't even seem like there's enough money even to buy food this week. And so I was thinking, honey, that maybe you should sell your motorcycle. Which he responds, what? My motorcycle? No, nobody touches the motorcycle. We'll learn how to fast before we actually sell the motorcycle, right? <laughs> uh, and so you feel like you're in this competition with somebody's stuff. And that's why Jesus says where your stuff is, hey, you can find your heart. Because your heart and your stuff are so powerfully related together. It's a powerful st statement, Jesus says, when he says, where your heart is, there will your treasure be. Or where your treasure is, you can be guaranteed to find your heart. Now, Jesus says something else that's very powerful about money. It's one of those verses when you read it, you go, hmm, I don't know. Hmm. I'm not absolutely convinced. Because when you read this next verse that we're going to look at, it actually it causes a little bit of tension um, for us. In fact, anyone that would call themselves a follower of Jesus, when you read this verse, you think, ooh, there's a little bit of tension here. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, could we do uh, or something to follow along? Look to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 this morning. Um, if the Bible's a little unfamiliar with you, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke in the New Testament. Luke chapter 16. Look at verse uh, 13. Luke 16. Are you there? Hello? Yeah, okay. Just want to make sure. Um, it says in 13, No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, when you first read that, you may think, well, that's a misprint. <laughs> Jesus misspoke here. I mean, he got it wrong. I think what Jesus meant to say is, you can't serve both, the, uh, both God and the devil. Right? I mean, that seems to be natural sense. I mean, isn't that where the contrast is? God and the devil? I mean, isn't that what we battle every day? Is the devil? And yet, it seems that Jesus has some great insight here. And that's why, when that statement is made, God is saying, actually, the biggest conflict that you are going to face every day of your life is God and your stuff. That's where the battle that's where the tension is. That's where the struggle is every day. And even for the follower of Jesus, the struggle, the tension that you'll be facing is who is going to be the ruler of your stuff. Are you going to serve your stuff and all the stuff you can accumulate and just ask God to kind of join in? Because Jesus says you actually can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. So you can't say, I love God. Oh, praise him, praise him. And then over here, I love my stuff. See, Jesus, no, that actually, that can't happen because 
what you love, right, causes what over here you despise. And so it's a very powerful statement that Jesus is talking about. And the tension, I don't think the tension ever goes away. Even as a follower of Jesus, I think it's a struggle that we face every day. We're always battling that. And that's why Jesus uh, invites us um, into a relationship where we kind of take our stuff and just make it subservient to him. You know, all my, all my wants, my desires, my fears, like just give it to him. Um, now maybe you're here this morning and if you were completely honest, you would say, well, you know, maybe you're a little resistant to the things of God. You know, maybe you're a little resistant to uh, church or, which, but we're still glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Or maybe you're a little resistant to what uh, preachers have to say or what I'm having to say up here because, you know, maybe you were at a church where something really weird happened. And so, you know, you're just kind of uh, resistant as to all that's happening. Well... I want you to notice that in, in, in the New Testament, it's really interesting that when you, when, you, when you follow Jesus, okay, when you follow Jesus, by the way, you can trust him. Did you know that? You can trust him with your stuff. You can trust him with your money. See, you, you can trust him with your treasures. He's not interested in your stuff. He's actually interested in your heart. So you actually can trust him with your stuff, by the way. So just putting that aside, I was thinking about this, and, and here's one of the reasons I tell you you can trust him. When you read about the life of Jesus, I, I can't find it. Uh, maybe it's in there, but I couldn't find it. Jesus never once asked for anyone's money. Never. He challenges people how to manage the money. But other than the one time when Jesus was trying to give an illustration and he kind of asked anybody in the crowd, anybody in the crowd got a coin? And someone threw him a coin. And remember the illustration? He says, hey, whose picture's on the coin? It's Caesar's. He said, well, then what's Caesar? Give to Caesar. What belongs to God? Give to God. And then I kind of assume he just gives the coin back to the person. Other than that, there, there's no place I think that, that Jesus actually ever asked for your money. That's why I said you can trust him. See, Jesus doesn't want your stuff. He just wants to make sure your stuff doesn't get you. See, God doesn't want your, your treasures. He just wants to make sure your treasures don't get you. I mean, really, what, does, I mean, what would God do with your stuff? Like, you think you'd be like, whoa, thank you. Hey, I love that. It fits so good. No, right? God doesn't need our stuff. But here's, God doesn't want your stuff. But here's what I believe Jesus, in, in this, when we read this, is when you serve your stuff, it will be a master that will not make you content. So, when your stuff, your money, your treasures, when, when this becomes the love of your life, it will never allow you to be content. In fact, it will never allow you to be satisfied. Because there's always more. There's more to be got, more to be earned. And Jesus knows that. I think that's why he challenges us with those words. That you, you, you can't love both. You have to choose. Now, I know that um, in the church today, there's a lot of teaching 
about money that I, I think has been twisted and abused, right? I, I, that's what I believe. I, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll hear some preacher or whatever get up and just say, you know, uh, hey, if you send me 100 bucks, you know, towards my new airplane, I'm sure God will double the money in return. But I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. At all, actually. It seems to me it's a kind of nonsense. The Bible doesn't teach that kind of stuff. Man has taken God's word and I think sometimes twisted it for his own advantages. Now, I'm going to get ready to say something that I dare say could get you really mad. In fact, it may uh, get the blood pressure rising. In fact, it may cause you to go, let's get out of this place. What's a guy talking about this morning? In fact, what I'm going to have to say I think may blow you out of the water. I want to talk to you about ownership. Ownership. Hey, we own our house, we own our car, we own our boat, we own our vacation home, we own our bonuses, we own our retirement. Um, we own stuff, we own investments, we own our checking account, we own our savings account. But here's what I, I'm going to suggest to you ownership is a myth, but stewardship is a reality. Do you hear what I said? I believe ownership is a myth. But stewardship is a reality. But I know some people say, but, but no, no, I earned it. I worked for it. It's mine. Well, if you will, take your Bibles again. We're going to look at something else that Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 25, uh, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is like the master storyteller. And then, uh, so Matthew chapter 25, if you'll turn over there. Matthew chapter 25. Again, this may cause you to get a little, a little frustrated. And you may be saying here right now, wait, 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 Donald. No, no, no. I'm the one who busts my back at work all day. I'm the one who's putting in 20 extra hours a week. It's my stuff. I'm the one who mortgaged my house and took the equity out and started a business. I'm the one that took the risk. I didn't see Jesus anywhere through all of this. It was my idea. I'm the one who put the blood, sweat, and tears into this business. Don't try to tell me I don't own it. It's mine. I, to I, I told you the statement could make you a little frustrated. Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 14. Are you there? Hello? Uh, one, of my, one of my objectives, by the way, during my term here, however long it is, is that you respond, okay? I just want to make sure you're not sleeping, okay? Okay, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put the money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gave two more, but the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. You know, I, when, I, when you first read that, it sounds like it would be a great reality TV show, wouldn't it? One man gives his money away. They go and see if they can make more money for him. It seems like it would be a great program. But here... 
when you notice that there's a master who's giving money out. It's not, the, it's not these three servants or these three men's money. It's very clear the, this, this man or this owner, this master, gives money to these three. It's still his money, but he gives them to go do something uh, with that money. And uh, I think Jesus in the story is getting ready. There's going to be a paradigm shift here. Because in, Matthew, uh, in um, Psalms 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it. And, and I think what, what Jesus is going to get at, what he's trying to make a point is, I, I believe he's going to say, what he's going to try to say, it, it's, this is not your stuff. It's mine, and I'm actually allowing you to manage it. I really think what he's trying to say is, Donald, you aren't the owner. You're the manager of my stuff. Which I may quickly want to respond, well, come on, Lord, what do you mean? No, I, look at me. I, I'm, I'm the one that's working hard. I'm the one that's gathering all this stuff. It's, I've worked hard for my stuff. Donald, it isn't yours. What do you mean? Wait, wait a minute, Lord. No, it's mine. I'm the one who has earned it. And it's although some, it's like times God has to remind me, uh, Donald, let me just remind you, you wouldn't exist if it weren't for me. Donald, who gave you your body, your mind, your talents, your gifts, your intellect for you to have these opportunities? Have you forgotten, Donald? Maybe this illustration will make it a little easier for us to understand. Um, the story is there was a, a woman at the airport and uh, she was waiting for her plane to be called and um, she was really hungry. Oh, she was so hungry. So she thought, you know, before the plane boards, I'm just gonna run down to the convenience store here and in the, in the, down the hallway and I'm just gonna buy a bag of Oreo cookies. So she buys her bag of Oreo cookies and she goes back in the waiting area, waiting for her plane to be announced, and she's in one of those seats, you know, where there's just a little chrome handle that kind of divides the seats, so you're all really, really close, and everyone kind of fights for that little arm piece, right? So she's there, and there's the bag of Oreos, and uh, she takes her Oreo, and, and she looks over, and she notices the man next to her took an Oreo out of the bag. And she, she tried to talk to the man, but the man didn't speak English. And then she took another one, she looked over, and she, he, was, he took another one out of the bag. Well, she, she was disgusted. She put her hand in that bag and pulled out a whole bunch of Oreos and started shoving them down her mouth. Right? And then he, she looked over, and he was pulling out the last Oreo in the bag. And with a smile, he broke it in half and gave half to her. Well, she was so mad. And at that point, they, they announced her flight, and she grabbed her purse and her stuff, and she got on the plane and sat down in her chair, and she was fumbling through her purse. There was her bag of Orioles. She actually wasn't eating her Orioles. She was eating someone else's. We go through life thinking that they're all my Oreos. 
These are my cookies. If <laughs> you ever watched Sesame Street, you know, the cookie monster? Me see cookie, me take cookie, me want cookie. <laughs> These are my cookies, my cookies. And all the time, I think God is smiling. He's saying, one day, you're going to realize they're not all your cookies. I think, I, I think he says, you know, I like sharing them with you. But I'm praying one day you'll be grateful for them. I'm praying that someday during your lifetime, and hopefully earlier than later, um, that you'll ask me, God, what do you want me to do with my cookies? How could I leverage my stuff for greater impact? Remember what I said? Ownership is a myth, but stewardship is a reality. Now, mind you, mind you, it is an easy myth to believe. There are so many convincing arguments that it's yours. It's your stuff. I mean, you work your finger to the bone for your cookies. Don't tell me these aren't my cookies. For many of us, this kind of represents our whole financial life, our wallets. We hug it, <laughs> we kiss it, right? we caress it, we guard it, it feels good, it's our security, it makes me feel powerful and safe, it makes me feel like I have control, I like to lay my head down at night with it, I wake up in the morning and see it again. And Jesus says with this statement, you know, you can't serve two masters. You, you, you just can't. You can try all you want, but the reality is you're going to hate one. Eventually you'll hate one because you can't serve both. You know, the, the Bible never says, never says money is bad. Money's good. Nothing, nothing wrong with money. You can do a lot with your money, but there is a dangerous side to it because sometimes we obsess over it. Uh, sometimes we work crazy hours for it, and sometimes we'll even put our families at stake to get more of it. And Jesus gives us a warning. Just, you better watch out because if you're not careful, it can become your God. It become your master. And Jesus says, and it will never satisfy you because they will always want that desire for more. I understand. I understand it. I get it. It is a big deal. It is a big deal when you surrender your identity and your power and your control and your security. It's big. And for some of us, for us to take our wallets and slide it over and put it in Jesus' hand, for some, that's not easy. And some of us, I think we're, we're just struggling. We may even be here, like, well, I'll share it with you, God. But I, I don't know if I can fully trust you yet. And I'm here to tell you, you can trust him. You can trust him with 
your stuff. What I'm saying is not an easy task. And for some of you, you feel like your freedom is at stake. Let's finish the story in Matthew 25. Let's pick it up again. Verse 19, I think, is where we, 18, we lose this. 18 is where we end. Let's pick up 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. And master, he said, you trust me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to another who has the ten talents. Now, what's the point? I think the point is saying, Jesus doesn't say, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It's not about how much you have, but what are you doing with it? You know, here we have three guys, right? Three different guys. They've all been given a different portion, not equally. And one goes out and he works hard and he doubles the masters. His greater impact. And, and, and servant number two does the exact same, the greater impact. And then number three does nothing. It's, it's almost like the first two had a plan. They had a plan as to what they're going to do uh, with, their, with the finances. And number three had no plan at all. You really do have to have a plan with your finances. Now some of you may say here, well I don't need to put a plan together because I hardly have any money in the first place, right? How in the world do you expect me to put a plan together? But it doesn't really matter how much you have. You simply must have a plan in order to maximize your impact. I, I like what Andy Stanley says. He says, money is limited, but there is no limit to what you can do with your money. We only have a certain amount, but what you choose to do with your money has endless possibilities. Do you know what you call it when you have a financial plan? Do you know what you call it when you have a financial plan? Now, this is, <laughs> this is worth coming this morning very profound a financial plan is a budget not profound just a budget putting a plan as to where your money is going to go instead at the end of the month you go where did the money all go I, I don't even know where it went and I read this story about these three guys and it just seems like two really had a plan to do 
with their, with their stuff that they were given. Now, the simple way of saying is, we need a plan. The Bible speaks so much about how we manage our resources. And if we have no plan, we have no plan, I think we're going to lose out. We're going to find ourselves at the end going like, where did it all go? And remember, it's not ours anyway. We're supposed to be good stewards of what's been given to us. Uh, Let me wrap it up this way. No doubt, our money and our hearts, this is a powerful relationship. It's powerful. Because the two are always together. Where your money is, your stuff, your treasure, your heart is woven right in with all that stuff. Jesus made that point very clear. And then Jesus said, Listen, you're, you're not going to be able to serve both me and, and your money and your stuff. Like, it's a myth if you think you can do that, because you can't. And then it seems like Jesus reminds us, and by the way, it's not even your stuff anyway. That's a great myth, that it's all ours. And Jesus says, and God says, I'm just going to, I'm allowing you to be stewards You get to be stewards of the stuff I give to you. So I just want to encourage us as we move through this series that we'll begin to pick up what Jesus is telling us about our stuff. In fact, you know what I'm really excited about? At the end of this series, for those who who need maybe just some extra help, uh, they're actually going to offer a course. Um, It's a little bit smaller setting. You can ask all kinds of questions. I took this course two years ago, and actually, it was like, it was mind-boggling. Like, it just, like, blew me out of the water. I, I learned so much. And so I'm really excited. So I just want to let you know that after this series, if, if this is an area, this money management that you would like to have a little bit of help on, we have some people that are, quali- they're going to have a class. They're limited sizes, the class. But you are more than welcome. If that's an area that you really want to have a better handle of, that we'd be better stewards of the stuff that God has allowed us have control of. With that, let's pray. Uh, Father, this morning, so thankful, so thankful, Lord, that the things that you said literally 2,000 years ago that was so appropriate for your generation is absolutely appropriate for our generation. And Lord, as followers of Jesus, Lord, I I just believe we're going to give account for how we manage your stuff. And Lord, I know that there's always going to be this tension for all of us. Always this tension. And so Lord, would you bring it back to our our minds? Ownership is a myth. Stewardship is a reality. And then Lord, maybe even here this morning as we've just been talking about financial things, it's possible that there may be somebody even in the auditorium here today that doesn't really understand the power of a relationship with you. And so, Lord, we never want to be missed by ever letting a service go by where we don't offer an invitation for people who are not in a relationship with you to be able to respond to you. Lord, not only can we trust you with our stuff, 
Lord, we can actually trust you with our life. Lord, you came to this earth. You lived among us. You died a very painful, cruel death for us so that we may have life more abundantly. And so, Lord, for those who, who maybe just have questions about this relationship with God, not just knowing things about God, but in relationship. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them to stick around, to ask some questions. and We'd love to just share what life is like knowing Jesus. And then again, Lord, for the follower of Jesus, help us to be good managers of your stuff, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.